We give you praise and glory and honor. Speak to us tonight. Anoint us, bless us, strengthen us. We thank you, Father. We bless your holy name. Before you're seated, just high-five somebody and say, it is good to see you tonight. Amen. It's good to see you tonight. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, I, I, I promise you, I, I do not intend on being long with the address at all. Um, but I want to say good evening to everybody. And congratulations to the AMI scholars. We're glad that you're with us uh, to celebrate uh, their accomplishments. Give yourselves a hand. Give your scholars a hand. As has been already said, uh, AMI is not easy. Uh, we started in 2011, and in fact, we have some charter graduates here on the second row. Teacher Carver, uh, Prophetess Carver, and his wife, they, they graduated, wow, eight years ago, and uh, they got in it when it, was, when it was only, what, eight classes? And so you guys got in quick and good, but uh, the Lord has been good to us. We have really progressed each and every year, uh, and we have added to our programs uh, and we are so, so greatly honored of God that we are literally a fully accredited uh, learning institute. Uh, one of my convictions is that, amen, amen. amen. One of my convictions is that you can be saved and intelligent. Yes. Yes. My mic is on. Amen, somebody. You can, you can be Holy Ghost, feel articulate have a nice vocabulary, make money, know what you're talking about, and still be on your way to heaven. <laughs> I know this ain't church, but let me calm down a little bit. But we worked very hard to get here tonight, and uh, we're so very proud of all of our scholars. And uh, I just want to make mention, we do have an out-of-town uh, student that is graduating as well who could not be here with us, uh, Pastor Bill uh, Jackson. Uh, he could not be with us. He's in Pennsylvania, but he's here in, in spirit, as they say. So we just wanted to acknowledge him as well. Uh, but just for a few moments, I want to talk to us uh, on the subject of being a Christian in a Christianish world. Being a Christian in a Christianish world. And my, and my hope and prayer is twofold that we will ignite a drive in the scholars and in everyone here tonight to number one, be committed, to be more committed to Jesus Christ, and number two, have a greater passion to be committed and equipped in ministry. Uh, I wanna start my remarks by, by reminding most of us and all of us that we live in a very small world. Uh, what do I mean by that? Most of us know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. And even through the vehicle of technology, we can have a conversation face-to-face -face with someone who's literally six hours ahead of us, that we no longer have to wait on snail mail to come in the mail. I don't know uh, about any of my teenagers. You probably have no clue of what that means, but I remember as a teenager, I would excitedly get the mail to see, do I have a letter from one of my friends? But we don't live in that day and age anymore. We, we have email. We can produce movies and music from our cell phones and our computers. We live in such a connected world. And, and I must confess that I'm grateful for those advancements in technology. I, I'm grateful for those opportunities that we have today that we did not have yesterday. And, and I'm grateful, admittedly, that we can reach the world in a greater way and in an easier way. However, everyone say however. 
Not all cross-pollinization or interaction is good. The scripture says, or, or what fellowship has light with darkness? And although we can connect with each other on social media, although we can have face-to-face -face conversations with individuals across the sea, although we are connected through cell phones, through televisions, through all sorts of technological advances, when the scripture asks us this question, what fellowship does light have with darkness? It is really asking us, how can two opposing things cohabitate or share common space? One of the challenges that we face in this world is that everyone has access to many voices. And without wisdom, hear me carefully, without skill and without discernment on how to filter those voices, we will begin to grow up not knowing who we are. If we do not grow up learning how to begin to filter and discern the spirit behind a voice, we will believe and think that everybody's voice is important. I grew up in a time where my parents told me things like, don't talk to strangers. And it wasn't that they were encouraging me to be rude, but rather to be wise and discerning on the information that you share with people that you do not know. And the wisdom of it was this, that everyone who is friendly to you is not your friend or means you good. Y'all can say amen to that. Everybody who smiles in your face is not looking out for your best interest. The Apostle John warned us, he said, believe not every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are of God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And one of the things that we see emerging in the world today is what I call a Christian-ish culture. Now, let me be clear. The person that is Christian-ish is not the following, is not a believer struggling occasionally to make the right decisions. A Christian-ish individual is not a believer overtaken in a fault. I'm not referring to a babe in Christ trying to find their footing in God, and I'm not referring to a believer who is going through a storm, but rather a Christian-ish person is an individual that is resolved to live, listen carefully, the uncommitted yet conveniently Christian lifestyle for perceived benefits and social acceptance. Think about that for a moment. In other words, a Christianish person is a person who is involved in what we consider to be social Christianity. I'm a Christian because my, my parents are Christians. I just, I go to church on Christmas, Mother's Day, y'all know it, and Easter. I'm a CME saint. I'm a person, I, you know, I believe in Jesus, but don't hold me to standards. This is the Christianish person, and this is the culture that we are in. Y'all real quiet tonight, that's good. So let me be further clear. I'm not suggesting that believers should go around being judgmental, arrogant, suspicious of everyone, because God did not call anyone to be the kingdom cop. 
However, Christianist individuals tell their own story. Because Jesus said, you will know an individual by its what? By its fruit. So it is not our job as believers to go around making sure everybody is living right. That's not your job. That's not our job. Our job is to be a light. But we are growing up and we are living in a society of Christianish people. And unfortunately, they are in church. It's real quiet. I like that. As a teacher, I like quiet sometimes. And the litmus test on whether or not a person is a Christian or Christianish, listen, is in the definition of what a Christian is. A Christian is a committed follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. A, I'm going to say it again. A Christian is a committed follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. And the linchpin of our faith can be summed up in one word, and that is commitment. Jesus, no one would argue, is the central figure and theme of our faith. And so his word trumps everybody's word. And here is what Jesus said concerning his discipleship. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was not ambiguous. He was not unclear. This was not some esoteric saying that you have to find the deep meaning in it. He was very clear. He goes on to say, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He goes on to say, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Admittedly, we don't hear a lot of messages on these sorts of things. We hear messages about it's your season. It's your time. Turn around three times, touch your neighbor. Everything's going to be all right. And at midnight, Paul and Silas pray. But I submit to you, you can be no deeper as a Christian than your commitment to Jesus Christ. <laughs> so being a Christian requires commitment. Can I hear you say commitment? commitment. What does it mean to be committed? To commit means to be tied to your place of assignment and mission. It means that you are not easily separated from what God has called you to do. It means that you are willing to give your last for the agenda of Jesus Christ. It means that you do not throw in the towel because your church hurt. It means that you continue to do what Jesus Christ has called you to do even when you don't feel like it. 
And I submit to you, if we had more believers who were literally committed to Jesus Christ, that's when we will see this world change. You have to understand that our commitment to Jesus uproots humanism. <laughs> humanism, I suggest, is at the core of what it means to be Christian-ish. Humanism, brothers and sisters, is the practice that emphasizes reason, science, and human fulfillment in this life and the existence uh, of this life while rejecting the significance, hear this, and the relevance of God. You hear things like, well, that's just not my truth. You hear things like, well, you know, I, I, I would give my life and I would serve, but, you know, God doesn't want me to have to miss out on any of my sleep. We hear things like, well, you know, uh, you know, uh, Jesus understands why I'm going through what I'm going through. And so I, I think he would have me to, 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 to not witness or tell anybody about Jesus because I don't want to offend anybody. And it's this type of mentality, brothers and sisters, of humanism that has gotten us into syncretic living. It is this type of mentality, brothers and sisters, that is emerging in our culture and emerging in our churches that we are ashamed to say, yes, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. No, I don't hate you, but I don't always agree with your lifestyle. The early church, brothers and sisters, had five characteristics that I believe every Christian should adhere to. If we were to examine the second chapter of the book of Acts, we will see five things that typify the early church. Number one, the early church was filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Contrary to popular belief, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not exclusively about running around the church or rolling on the floor. If you do that, God bless you. We got buckets, we got sheets. We'll help you. But being filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus said in John 14, is the spirit of truth to lead you, to guide you. The parakletos called alongside to do what? To help you. This church was filled with the Holy Ghost. They didn't come every week to be filled. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. Number two, the early church was typified by fellowship. Fellowship is the art of mature and friendly association. I grew up in a time where we have church all night long and still have to go to school the next day. Can I get a witness here? I grew up in a time when the out-of-town the, the out guest preacher would stay at your house. I grew up in a time when we would fellowship when everybody would know everybody and everybody would know everybody's business. And not, not all that was good. Amen. Praise God. But there was a sense of community. There was a sense of fellowship that I don't need to find a ride home. If I can just get to church, I know I can get home. Number three, this church was filled with fear. Not, not bad fear, but the fear of God. That they reverenced the presence of God. 
I, I know it's not in vogue now because a lot of our church policies and church growth programs tell us to be friendly and tell us to do this and we become seeker friendly and, I, and, and all that is fine and good, but we cannot miss out on maintaining the fear of God. That when we come together, that when we gather, there should be a reverential awe that this place is unlike any other place. That coming into his presence is a privilege. There, there is something about gathering that when the saints begin to pray, the saints begin to worship, the saints begin to, to hear preaching and, and begin to prophesy and begin to play the instruments, that, that, that there is an atmosphere that is created that, that is something different about this place than any other place. Number four, this church, the Bible describes, has favor with man and favor with God. And, and I asked the Lord, why is this important that they had favor? It's important that they had favor because favor helps you to accomplish the mission. Favor will get you the job promotions. Favor will get you the permits to build new buildings. Favor will get you into doors that you could not get into had you not had favor. And because some of us grew up in a in an environment where we heard things exclusively like don't be like the world we forgot to be salt to that world that we were not trying to be like that we forgot that God will place us in situations so that we can be a light and an example we need favor the fifth thing that the church exemplified is that they reproduced after their own kind and they had followers you examine the book of Acts chapter number two, and the Bible says that souls were added to the church daily, that we should have so much in, influence and impact that you are growing the church. I'm about to say something here. I, I know it's not about the numbers, but the numbers matter. I, I know we're comfortable with seeing the same people every week and connecting with the same people that we know. But we need to be reproducing followers. And this is what AMI is about. Equipping believers to advance the kingdom of God in their unique identity, fit, function, and This is what AMI is about. About giving ministers language, intelligence, and biblical knowledge and revelation to win this world. This is what AMI is about. We're about developing believers for the journey of Christian impact and impression. This is what AMI is about. We're about empowering the believers to be strengthened in their hearts and in their minds to impact their sphere of influence. This is what AMI is about. It's about releasing strong Christians into a world that is full of a Christianish culture. Graduates, tonight is just the beginning of another level of commitment. Tonight is just the beginning. Hopefully your appetites are, are more fired up to say, what's next? What can I do more? And we're here to help you. And I'm here to tell you that you can do it. Can we stand to our feet?
and we're going to have a quick word of prayer and we're going to give God praise and then we're going to give these certificates tonight. But can we just lift our hands and just begin to worship the Father just for a moment. Father, we worship you for this word. Father, we thank you that even on this occasion tonight that as we confer degrees and as we solidify the accomplishments of scholastic achievement, that Lord, let these words that were spoken tonight not just hit the hearts of the graduates, but hit the hearts of all who have heard it. That we would be committed to be a Christian, a disciple, a follower, not without flaw, but Lord, give us that commitment that says, I'm not going to let my flaw define me. I'm not going to let my hiccup make me stop pursuing after you. And God, give us a passion to say, let me become excellent in my sphere of influence. Let me become excellent in what you've called me to do and what you've called me to be. I'm not just going to rely on my anointing. I need some intellect. I'm not just going to open my mouth and let you feel it, Lord, but I'm going to obey the scriptures and say, study to show yourself approved unto God. Father, we recommit to you tonight that you are the head of the church. You are the head of the body. And we thank you, Father, for giving us fivefold ministry leaders and gifts to equip and to perfect the saints to do works of ministry. We honor you tonight. We give you praise. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Everyone in agreement, would you put your hands together and shout, Amen.